welcome to Easter Jam. Woo! <laughs> my name is Trish. And I am Johnny, on my best behavior, mind you, because today we are celebrating one of the greatest, if not the greatest, moments in history. That's right. Today is when we celebrate a man who walked the earth 2,000 years ago and, well, turned out to be much more than just a man. Ah, so the mystery thickens. When there's a mystery that needs to be solved, there's only one person for the job, a math teacher. But if you need some sleuthing sleuth, there's only one sleuther worth settling for. He's a private eye with a public name. It's Sam Shovel, private detective, but publicly known. Hello, I'm Sam, Sam Shovel. Private detective. Now, why did I become a detective? Well, my qualifications are vast. I studied at the University of Hard Knocks and majored in life. My degree, you ask? 98, as cool as the human body should be. Now, I'm sure you're asking yourself some questions. What is this man doing here? Why is he talking to himself? And how is a platypus both a duck and a mammal? Well, I'm here to answer two of those questions. I'm here, and I'm talking because there's a mystery to be solved. And I'm going to f solve that mystery through some clues or pieces, if you will. Um, hello, guys. Why are those stage lights off? Aha. Uh -huh. Two mysterious figures over there I must speak with. Excuse me. There we go. All right, you two. What are you doing here? Who are you? And can you answer the question about the platypus? Us? No, the other two people that snuck out here. What, yes, what other? You. Oh, um, I'm Johnny. And I'm just bewildered. Ah, hi, bewildered. That's a unique name. No. <laughs> I had a great aunt Patience once. She wasn't... Patience? No. Oh, great, yeah. Oh, no, she wasn't great. Oh, okay. Oh, um, okay. Well, listen, I'm going to need No, you, you listen here, Trish. Around here, I ask the questions. Yeah. He'll ask the questions, because he's a detective. <laughs> I mean, bewildered. I just... Okay. My name isn't bewildered. Oh, so I've caught you lying already. What are you doing? Seeing if the temperature's going to rise in your pants. Any minute, they should start bursting into flames. Liar, liar... <laughs> Pants almost on fire. I'm not lying. My name isn't bewildered. Excuse me. Well, this gal seems about as trustworthy as a two-legged stool and a balance beam. I'd better keep my eye on her. Scratch that. I'll keep two eyes on her and two eyes on the other one. It's a good thing I've got seven eyes. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Get to the bottom like two dogs greeting each other for the first time. Okay, listen. My name is Trish. This is Johnny. And hey. we're here to host this year's Easter Jam. All right. Oh, Easter Jam. Is that like a jelly made with eggs or a constipated chicken? No. No, 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 no. It's... An event 
where people... Like these wonderful people here. Yes, these lovely people that all look so good today. These people gather together to discover and celebrate the mystery of Easter. Uh, and I'm here to solve such a mystery. What mystery are you solving? Oh, that's just it. It's a mystery. <laughs> oh, and don't forget, I'll ask the questions around here. Yeah, he'll ask the questions. He's a detective. Johnny, don't encourage Mr. Shovel. The name, no, Mr. Shovel was my father. I'm Detective Shovel. And I'm... And this entire room is my beat. Okay, well, Detective Sam Shovel, I'm really sorry about this, but you're going to need to investigate some other beat. That is true. This is our beat. Your beat? We got this beat. You got this beat. Yes, we've got the beat. Well, how do you know my beat? What? What is your beat? <laughs> ah. Okay, listen, 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 listen. We're here to talk about Easter. All of these people came here to learn more about Easter. And I'm like, so sorry, everyone. We've flown completely off the rails. And, and I'm here to get us back on those rails. You're the one that derailed us in the first place. I'm not the one that lied about her name. I didn't lie about my... <sighs> okay, okay. Just, you know, just do whatever it is that you need to do. And then I'll come back out and Johnny and I will get Easter Jam underway. All right, Johnny, it looks like it's just you and I. I've never solved a mystery before. Uh, have you ever tried? Yeah, actually every week. It's the mystery of the missing sock. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes, the missing sock. Is it aliens or is it an ancient sock gladiator match? Two go in, one comes out. Hmm. Great detectives and myself have gone crazy trying to solve such a mystery. It's best we start with something a little bit more simpler. And I know just the game. It's called What's Inside the Egg. I know this game. Oh, you do? Perfect. Then take it away. I'm going to go to the little detective's room. The bathroom? No, no, no. It's a meeting with small detectives. I'm giving oh. a speech there. Take okay. it away. Well, now it's time to play What's Inside the Egg. What's Inside the Egg? Okay. I forgot about the sound effect. I'm going to call up my two stagehands, Natalie and Devin. Give it up for them. They're going to select two volunteers. Raise your hand if you'd like to participate. Hi, Eric. Come on. It'll be fine. All right. Okay. Got it. All right. Volunteer number one, what is your name? I'm Dalen. Oh, Mike. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Volunteer number two, what is your name? I'm Dawson. Okay. Here's what's going to happen. We have a volunteer from each side of the auditorium. We're splitting it down the half. These two sections are helping this volunteer, Dalen, and these two sections are helping... Wait, which one are you? Dawson. Dawson, okay. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, don't laugh at me. There will be a trivia question that I will ask each... I get Dawson and Lennon confused sometimes. Okay, sorry. Yeah. There will be a trivia question that I will ask each side of the auditorium... But the trick is that the volunteer on that side can't answer. The audience has to answer. So keep your mouth shut. What? I'm going to give you an egg. And if your side of the audience gets the answer right, 
then the opposing side has to smash the egg on their forehead. But if you get the answer wrong, then you have to smash the egg on your own forehead. So you better hope your side of the audience gets the answer right. Can I sit down? No, no, you cannot. You're trapped. You're stuck. Okay, anyway. The trick is the eggs could be hard-boiled or they could have confetti in them. You don't know which is which. Okay. Yeah, so it, it, yeah, you're not going to be covered in yolk. Yo, what? Don't, don't, okay, yeah, I'm right. Okay, so the volunteer facing the consequences is going to select an egg, and then on the count of three, smash it on their forehead, and then everyone will find out... What's inside the egg? Does everyone understand how to play? Doesn't matter, because we're going. Okay. <laughs> the first question is for this side, and this is a true or false question. True or false. The most popular American Easter candy is the chocolate bunny. Call it out. That was a lot of different answers, but I heard mostly false, and that is correct. So, Dawson, select an egg. Okay, now, no, wait. The audience is going to count down with me from three, and then we're going to smash it. Okay, three, two, one. What's inside the egg? Confetti. I feel sorry for the cleaning team. Okay. Okay, okay. It's time for question two, and this question is for this side. Which South American country houses Easter Island? A, Chile, B, Peru, or C, Argentina? Call the answer. Okay, what do you hear, Dawson? I hear chili, and that is correct. <laughs> okay, day one, select an egg. Okay, <laughs> ready, audience? Three, two, one. What's inside the egg? <laughs> Let's give all of our egg detectives a big round of applause, and thank you for playing. My sound effect. What's inside yeah. the egg? As a reward, you get these Cadbury eggs. Now goodbye. That's too much candy for the Bockert family. Well done, well done, Johnny. That was excellent. Oh, you saw it? No, not at all but it brought us a more important clue of what it could be. Life. Life? Yes, you see, eggs represent life or new beginning. Well, what does that mean? I have no idea, but I feel like it's important. Uh. Well, Sam, it is important and a great setup, by the way. Life is exactly what Easter is all about. In fact, get this. Jesus said, I have come so that they may have life. I want them to have it in the fullest possible way. So thank you, Sam, for getting us back on track, but I can take over from here. No, 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 no. We still have so much more of the mystery to solve. So much more. And while I was backstage, I saw a clue, and I'd like to ask these lovely people if they could help me with it. I'm not going to change your mind, am I? Do donkeys change their mind? I have no idea. But I'll leave you to it. Do you need Johnny? No, this level of investigation requires a more experienced hand. This one. <laughs> All right, come on, Johnny. 
right? Now, on my other hand, I hold a clue. Now it looks like a series of puzzle pieces are covering up our clue. I have some questions here that will help uncover the pieces of our clue. I can't answer these questions, so I'll need your help. Of course, if you're willing to be one of my helpers, there may be a little something in it for you, like, say, a bag of jelly beans. I'll throw this question up on the screen so everyone can see it. All right, if you think you know the answer to this question, raise your hand. Question one. Peeps are an American Easter tradition. The marshmallow goodness can be found in many Easter baskets on Easter morning. How many peeps are eaten on Easter? A, 1.5 million, B, 200, or C, what are peeps? A, 1.5 million. And the answer is, that is correct. Give that man some jelly beans. Let's see what the clue resolves. Ah, what is that? Looks like glue. Hmm, interesting. All right. Next question. When eating a chocolate bunny, what percentage of people eat the ears off the bunny first? A, 100% of people, you monsters. B, 59% of people. Or C, what are peeps? Again with the peeps question. See what the answer is? Oh. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, even though it was incorrect, let's see what part of the puzzle that unraveled. All right. G. Hmm. I wonder what that means. <laughs> I made a funny. All right. Let's keep going. Which of the following foods used to be associated with Easter? A. Candy canes. B, pretzels, or C, uh, peeps. We're still staying with peeps on this. Who wrote these questions? A. C. One more time. B. And the answer is? Yeah. All right, and then let's see what... Uh, a plus sign and a dub. Hmm, the plot thickens. All right, next question. Besides peep, the other candy eaten in mass quantities on Easter are the good old-fashioned treat known as jelly beans. How many pounds of jelly beans can be eaten on Easter? A, 25 pounds. B, 16 million pounds. Or C, that's a lot of beans. All right, let's see what the answer is. B. And let's see what clue that's unraveled. Huh. It, a sheep or a you could be a sheep, but could also be a you. All right, final question. In medieval times, churches used to have egg throwing contests. A, true. B, false. C, still confused about peeps. All right. The answer is true. And now it will finally unveil what this mystery is. 
All right. Ah, I'm sure, like all of you, it makes total sense. Everyone has to see what I'm seeing. I have no idea what I'm seeing. <laughs> well, Sam, I think I know what it means. And ironically, it's exactly what Easter is all about. You do know? Well, tell us. Well, first, let's see if any of the kids in the audience can figure out the answer. If you think you know the answer to the picture equation, raise your hand, and whoever gets it right will get some chocolate bunnies. Well, if I can't solve it, no one else here can. Love? Correct! Yes, yes, exactly! Love! Love? The answer is love? Do you see it? Do you want help? Well, I'm going to go uh, rack my brain around this. Uh, Here, let me explain it to you. So you have a bottle of glue minus a U, which gives us GL. Then you add a dove minus the D, which gives us glove, and then you subtract the G, leaving us with love. Yeah. Do you see it yet? No, I still don't see it, but I'm going to go rack my brain over this for a couple minutes. Think you can hold it down out here? I think I can manage. Travel music, please. Love. Okay, now we're finally starting to get somewhere. Sam might be missing a piece, or five. But I think he's clued us into something really important here. We've already talked about how Jesus came to give us life, but not just any life. Jesus showed us that God wants to give us a new life because he loves us. 1 John 4.10 tells us that it's not that we loved God, it's that God loved us and sent his son into the world to pay for our sins. His love is so big and so powerful. It literally changed the whole world that first Easter. And it's a huge piece of this puzzle. So with that in mind, let's take a look at this question together. What is one way that people make you feel loved? This can be your family or your friends or even your roommates. Who are the people that you do life with and how do they make you feel loved? In just a moment, we're going to take a, f a few minutes to just discuss and talk about it with the people around us. Um, everyone in our lives shows their love in a different way. So, kids, how do your parents or the adult in your life show their love for you? And adults, how do your kids or the other adults in your life show their love for you? Let's be brief and just take a few moments to talk about this with one another. Who had some really great examples? We would love to hear them right now. I feel loved when my parents help me in every single way. Aww. We have when my mom snuggles me sometimes. Aww. Yes. Yes. Mom kisses me. Yes. One more? One more example? Yes. In the... 
food is love. <laughs> okay, okay. Those were some really great examples. Thank you guys for sharing. What happens with the people that we love is a beautiful example of God. Uh-oh. I'm really sorry, everyone. I think that's mine. It says county emergency services. Hello? What? My house is sliding. I don't even live on a hill. I'm so sorry, everyone. I'm sure this must be some kind of mistake, but I'm just going to go clear this up, and I will be right back. You see, Johnny, the old sliding house gets him every time. (laughs) Got it. All right. Now, what part of the mystery are we at right now? Well, we have life and we have love, so we know Easter is about life and love. Yes, but how? How does it all fit together? I feel like we'll need to do some more sleuthing. What kind of sleuthing? My favorite kind, the trash. Okay. What, the trash? Yes. You see, people throw out all sorts of important letters, important information that can give us a more complete picture of who they are. Hmm. And I've procured three garbage cans that I think if we go through, we should, be able to get a, we should be able to get a more complete picture and solve this Easter mystery. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's bring out the trash. Perfect. Now that we have our trash cans here, it's all about who's going to go through them. You mean you're not? No. It's disgusting. I thought you said it was your... But isn't that your favorite part? It is. For other people to do. Oh. All right. Well, I'm sure maybe if we get three really tall, strong people and three small people... Wait, 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 wait. What if we have three dads with small children who are willing to volunteer... Yeah, give it up for them. Let's give it up for our mini detectives. All right, dads and kids, the rules are very, very, very simple. Dads, what you're going to do is simply take your child and place them in the garbage. I'm sure you've always wanted to. It's very simple. You're only allowed to put them in and take them out. You can at any point tip over the garbage can. Small are my small detectives. Very simple. Go through, try to find any letters or clues or anything that might help us finally solve this mystery. Do we all understand? Yep. All right. Timer up. Okay. Ready? Go! All right. All right. Let's give a round of applause for our excellent detectives and their parents. We got a prize for them. All right, well, hold on. We still need to solve those letters. So we, we have one out of the three. So dads, kids, get in there. Get that final letter. And I promise I'll have an excellent prize for you. Oh, no. Oh, excellent. What? That's against the rules. Perfect. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Hey, look under your knee. There we are. Yeah. I'll take that. Excellent job. Excellent job. Now, for being such great detectives and doing such an excellent job, we have prizes over here for you. We have trash bags and then also some Easter goodies, which I've also procured from the trash. So here we go.
Sorry, Pastor Paul. Here you go. In the truck. Put that in one of them. Doesn't matter which one. Give it up for them. Johnny, come here quick. I think I've solved this mystery. D-O-G. Dog. Dog. Yes, it makes perfect sense. Dogs give us tons of love. They're full of life. And they like to dig in the trash. It all makes sense now. I think I've solved this mystery. Speaking of mysteries, my house is fine. Haha, very funny, Sam. But back to your letters and the Easter mystery. What if... We rearrange them like this. G-O-D. God? Now, wait a minute. You're saying God is the answer? Yes. In fact, I think we could say that you both found God in the trash. Um, no, that's not my what? thought. Huh? I didn't put God. He didn't belong in the trash. What? No. No. no I would never. No, 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 no. Run, Sam. Run. God, Run. The, this is perfect. Don't you see? It's a perfect set up for us to get struck by lightning. Run, Sam. Run! Sam! Johnny! God doesn't do that with lightning. Here's what's really cool about this, though. Finding God amongst all this mess is an amazing picture of what Easter is like. You see, there's a word picture in the Bible about Jesus, that he is like the stone the builders rejected. Rejected, thrown away like trash. So many people missed what Jesus was about, how he was showing us God's love and bringing us a new life. The religious leaders in particular wanted to get rid of Jesus, shove him out, throw him away. But here's the rest of that verse. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus was rejected, but then he became the cornerstone the most important part of what God is building here on earth. And I can't wait for us to take a look at this right now. Uh, I, I think it's really fitting that we start talking about Easter with trash cans on the stage. The world is a messy place, and that first Easter was no exception. It started with a lot of circumstances that looked like garbage. From the beginning, God had a plan to rescue and save us, um, But as long as people have been on earth, it's been messy, and we've been disconnected from God because of sin. Sin is all the things that we do or say that are wrong. God is perfect and can't be around sin. Our lives were meant to be so different. God intended for us to be in relationship with him, but when sin entered the picture, it separated us from God and severed that relationship. And so he came up with a plan to rescue us. Jesus carried out that plan and came to give us this, a new life. The story of Easter is a story of love. It's God's love for us that Easter even happened. But it's our choice to connect with the love of God. He offers it to us freely and willingly. 1 John 4, 9 tells us that this is how God showed his love for us. That he sent his one and only son into the world to that we might live through him. Our God 
is a holy God, a just and perfect God who created the whole world and everything in it. Jeremiah chapter 1 tells us that God knew us before we were even born, and he knows how many hairs are on your head right now. It's this all-knowing and all-powerful God that wants to be connected to you. So let's see if we can find a few more pieces that will help us understand Easter a bit better. From the beginning, God had a plan to rescue and save us. And at just the right time, he sent his son Jesus into the world um, to carry out this rescue mission. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. I think we could use a little sound effect. This was scripted. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Jesus is God's son, and he chose to leave heaven and be born a baby here on earth. He grew up, and he lived a perfect life, and no one else has ever done that. He began to travel and tell people about God's kingdom. As he walked from town to town, He began to tell stories of a way of living where love was the first rule. He showed us how to live it out here on earth. After three years, um, well, first, let me just say, Jesus began to gather around him a few close friends called disciples. Uh, They learned how to live and teach others, and they followed him everywhere. After three years of healing people, performing miracles and teaching, Jesus and his disciples went into Jerusalem to celebrate a special feast called the Passover. Huge crowds began to welcome Jesus. They thought that, they hoped that he was the one sent by God, the one that would give us a way to be with God again. But while the crowds welcomed Jesus, the religious leaders came up with a plan to arrest him. They didn't want anything to change. And so Jesus and his disciples um, celebrated the Passover feast together. And that night he told them that he would leave, but that he would return. The disciples had no idea what Jesus was talking about. And that night Jesus was arrested. The religious leaders gave Jesus a fake trial and then sent him to the Roman governor, Pilate, who could have him killed. Pilate found that Jesus had broken no law, and so he tried to release him. But a mob demanded that Jesus be killed. And so Pilate gave in and handed Jesus over to the Roman soldiers to be hung on a cross until he died. Jesus was given a purple robe, and a crown of thorns was put on his head. The Roman soldiers made fun of Jesus because when he said he was a king, they didn't believe him. On a hill called Golgotha, the Roman soldiers nailed Jesus' hands and feet to the rough wood in the shape of a cross. The Roman soldiers and people passing by laughed and they made fun of Jesus But from the cross, he asked God to forgive them. Finally, he said, it is finished. And then Jesus died. The earth shook, 
Rocks split open, and even the Roman soldiers cried out, Surely this man was the Son of God. One of Jesus' followers took his body and placed it in a tomb and sealed it with a huge stone. Jesus' followers were crushed. They thought that he was the one, the one sent from God who would rescue us. But now Jesus was gone. It was like their whole world had been thrown away. None of the pieces fit together. But early Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene, a close friend of Jesus, went to the tomb. She wasn't expecting to witness a miracle. She just wanted to be where Jesus was. When she got there, though, the stone that had sealed the tomb had been rolled away. (laughs) The tomb that had held Jesus' dead body was empty. Mary Magdalene turned and saw a man standing nearby. He called her name, and in that moment for Mary, the pieces began to fit together in a way that they had never fit before. Jesus was alive. Jesus is God's son, and death couldn't hold him, and he is the connection to life, to love, and to God. But how does Jesus connect us to life, to love, and to God? Well, Pastor Paul is going to come up and answer this question for us. Pastor Paul, can you explain a little bit more about how Jesus' death and resurrection connects us to life, to love, and to God? Hi. I'll do my best. Let's use these three illustrations. Okay, Trish? Yeah. We'll start with life. And this is a lamb, right? The lamb is actually a reference that goes back 3,000 years from today. Over 3,000 years ago, the nation of Israel was in slavery in Egypt. And when God told Moses to to go to Egypt and ask the Pharaoh to release them after over 400 years of slavery, God sent 10 plagues to Egypt because the Pharaoh wouldn't release them from slavery. The 10th plague... God said, any one of the firstborn in all of the households would die in Israel or in Egypt. But God made a provision for his people in Israel. He said, if you took a lamb and you killed it and you took its blood and you painted it over your doorposts, God would pass over their houses and save those people. So in the Old Testament, the lamb became the sacrificial way in which we receive forgiveness for our sins. In the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let's look at the crown. The crown is what we see, as you said, in Scripture when Jesus was crucified. The crown was placed upon Jesus' head as he died and suffered. And it was not something to elevate him, it was to mock him as king of the Jews. But the crown represents suffering, which also talks about love. You see, in John 15, 13, Jesus says, greater love has no man. than he do what? Lay down his life for his friend. And there is no greater love 
than one who would lay down their life for another. That's how the crown represents love and Jesus represents love. And then the last example we have here is this purple cloth. Now, purple was something that was used uh, and worn by kings during that time. It represented kingship and that they were kings. And Jesus claimed, as they asked him, are you king of the Jews? He said, yes, I am. But there's more to the story because we know Jesus died on the cross. But we also know, according to scripture, that he was raised again from the dead. Okay, and so much so that we know that as he was raised or after he was raised from the dead, he appeared to over 500 people, according to the historical record, that prove that his resurrection was real. In fact, there's one story that I recall where there were these two men walking down the road to Emmaus. And this one man, his name was Cleopas, he met Jesus, didn't realize it was Jesus, but then there was this revelation that he saw the resurrected Jesus. So you know what he did? He went back to the town, screaming and shouting all across the town. And do you know what he said? What did he say? I saw him, I saw him. That's right, Sam. He said, I saw him, I saw him. He couldn't stop sharing the good news that Jesus was resurrected. So what does that have to do with royalty? Well, the apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 2, that because of the work of Christ on the cross... Because of his obedience on the cross, God affirmed, if you will, he gave a stamp of approval to the work of Jesus on the cross by raising him to life. And at the name of Jesus now, every name, every, every name, I'm sorry, every person will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's a king. That's why we see the purple robe and we remember that he is connected to God and he is our king. Wow. Does that help? Yes. Thank you so much, Pastor Paul, for explaining how what Jesus did on the cross connects us to God with great love and gives us new life. Without Easter, our lives would still be puzzles. We'd be stuck trying to put together all the pieces and trying to fix our broken relationship with God on our own. But Jesus has already done that. And he showed us that true love is laying down your life for someone else. And that a love like that conquers everything, even death. When we give Jesus the messy pieces of our lives, he can take them and put them together to make something totally new and beautiful. He connects us to God in a way that nothing, not even death, can end. Well, Pastor Paul... If you wouldn't mind explaining more about how God, how Jesus, how Easter connects us to life, blood, love, and God, I think that would be really nice. Trish and I might go find our seats and find Sam so he can hear about this too. I think he's still running from the lightning. Okay. So. Thank you. You want to grab this? Thank you, Pastor Paul. Sure. How about we thank our, our drama people? So here we are on Easter Sunday. What are we going to talk about on Easter Sunday? I'll be 50 years old this year. Okay. Here's why I was saying that. Most of my life I've spent in the Christian church hearing the story about Easter. 
every year of my life that I can remember, as far back as I can remember, I have heard the story of Easter. I've heard the story every year. And yet, many times the story never changes me or hasn't changed me. Maybe you've been in that place. Maybe you've heard the story of Easter many times. Maybe you understand the what behind Easter. And what I mean by that is all of the events that occurred during the Easter story. The death, the sacrifice, the burial, the resurrection, the appearance, all of those things. Maybe you've heard that story as many times as I have, or maybe you've heard it even longer. The question this morning is not whether or not we've heard the story and we know what it is. We should ask ourselves what it means And what does it mean for us today? Because the danger, if we're not careful, is that we can let the Easter story become something that we've heard about and we understand the details in the story, but it doesn't change us for here, right here, right now. And I believe that that's the truth. I think that there are people that walk through the doors of the Christian church every year and hear the story of Easter and they know all the facts and they walk out the door and their lives don't change at all. Why is that? And here's what I believe. I believe it's because when that happens, we really don't understand how the story is relevant to us today. Because this story is 2,000 years old. So we're going to take a few moments this morning and we're going to ask the question how the resurrection actually impacts us today. Today, in 2022, almost 2,000 years after it occurred. As someone once said, if Christ is risen, nothing else matters. And if Christ is not risen, nothing else matters. So we need to understand why the resurrection. We heard how Jesus connects us to life, how he connects us to love, and how he connects us to God. But how does he do all of that? He does it through the resurrection. It's not because he was born. It's because he died and he rose again. That's how he connects us to life, to love, and to God. So what I want to encourage you to do today is maybe take a few moments with me and maybe see things or try to see things with different lenses. Try to look at things with fresh eyes. Try to see things from a different perspective because when we look at things from a slightly different perspective, it's easier for us to understand. So let me explain as best as I can this morning what this means and why we need to know this. Because of the resurrection. What is the resurrection about? It's this, that we have the freedom to experience life, the freedom to experience love because we are invited to know God. That's the resurrection story. We have the freedom now to experience life, to experience love. Why? Because we are now invited to know God. Let me explain What does the freedom to experience life mean? Well, in John 10.10, Trish mentioned this earlier, but Jesus said in John 10.10, a thief only comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I came so everyone everyone would have life and have it fully. Some translations use the word an abundant life. Now, you may be here this morning saying, I'm alive. I have a life. My life isn't bad. But remember, I want you to think of th- look at things through different lens. I want you to look at things through different eyes. 
because there's the world's version of what life looks like and then there's God's version of what life looks like. The world's version will paint a picture of life that doesn't look like God's because it's looking at the temporal, not the eternal. Do you know that we weren't made for this world? We were made for eternity. Do you know that we weren't made for this world? I'll say it again. We were made for eternity to know God to be in relationship with God and to understand true life. The life that we're in today, um, it's temporary. And it can be uncertain. There's questions in this life. There's doubt in this life. Um, There could be a lack of purpose in this life. There's disappointment in this life. There's sorrow in this life. When we started this, this this morning, I think the question that was asked was the last two years have been very hard for this country and this world, right? There's a lot of difficulty, pain, grief, and sorrow in this world. But can I tell you something? Because of Jesus and because of his death and his resurrection, we have the opportunity to experience real life, abundant life, true life. When we respond to the invitation to knowing God, that's the contingency. When we respond to the invitation to fully know God and accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, the uncertain things in, the light, in our life become certain. The aimlessness that we can have in our life becomes purposeful. And the restlessness that we experience becomes peace. This does not mean our life changes because our circumstances change. It means our life changes because how we view our life changes. Think about that with me just for a moment. Becoming a follower of Christ, becoming a follower of Jesus and believing in Christ through the resurrection does not take away all the pain, all the sorrow, all the sadness, all the things that we walk through. It doesn't take them away. We still experience difficult things. I was water baptized when I was 11 years old. And over the last two years in our family, we've seen people pass away. Some due to covid some due to just illness, one due to suicide. We've seen grief. We've seen pain. We've seen sorrow. I have been a follower of Christ for over 40 years. The pain doesn't all go away, my friends, because we choose to put our faith in Christ. It's just the lens at which we look at our life that gives us purpose. It gives us hope and it gives us peace. That's what it means to experience true life because our eyes are no longer set on the temporal. Our eyes are set on the one who overcame it all. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Take heart, I have what? Overcome the world. And we know that in the end, his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave shows us and proves to us that death is defeated permanently. Though we may experience death in this world, there is an eternity. Our spirits live on forever. Our souls will move on and we will continue to be in relationship with God. That is a hope that never fails. But we also have the freedom to experience genuine love. And here's something that I also very much believe. I believe everyone wants to be loved in this world. I've never met someone that did not want to experience love. To be love and to love others. That's one of the reasons why we exist. We've been created to be loved and we've been created to love others. Jesus even said of the greatest commandments as he, as he condensed all the commandments together, love God and love others. We've been created to experience and receive love. Everyone wants to be loved. But if we look at love through the lens of the world, again, 
if we look at the love through the, through the lens of the world, what we will find is that love in this world is conditional. It's based on what we do and what we don't do sometimes. The world will tell us that our love can be self-centered. That if you're not getting what you need, that you don't need to love. Our world can tell us that it's self-gratifying. Love is about what makes you feel good. And love can also be temporary. You can fall in of love, in love. You can fall out of love. It all depends on how you feel. That's the kind of love that the world tells us when we look at this kind of lens. But in John 15, 13, as I said earlier, the scripture says, greater love hath no man that he lay down his life for his friends. See, the kind of love we begin to experience by knowing Christ is a love that's willing to die. Not just for friends, but for those who are unworthy of that love. Jesus didn't wait for us to be good enough to give his life. Romans 5.8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the kind of love that the world doesn't understand. So if you're thinking your love is temporal or self-centered, the love that we experience through the resurrection that Jesus shows us is a love that affirms us, a love that is unconditional, a love that never leaves us, a love that is permanent, a love that never fails. Like Paul said in Romans 8.39, he said, neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So because of the resurrection, true love is about serving, not about being served. True love is about commitment that will never fail, not about things that ebb and flow depending on our, on our environment. And it is permanent where we can be confident because Jesus never fails. And this is all because of the resurrection. It's all because of the resurrection. And as I said earlier, because of the resurrection, we're giving an invitation to know God. You see, what I just said this morning is not applicable to everyone. It's applicable for everyone who chooses to accept the invitation to become a follower of Christ. That's the difference. I've heard people say, God loves everyone. God's love is unconditional. Yes, it is unconditional. And the scripture says in John 1, it says, to those who believe upon him, meaning Jesus, he gives the right to become sons of God. It doesn't mean we're all children of God. It means we become children of God. We become his. And we are then given new lenses new eyes to recognize in the midst of trouble, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of difficulty, we cannot just barely get through, but we can stand in a confidence to say, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Our worship team's going to come in just a few minutes as we get ready to close our service this morning. And you know what it is? It's good for us to smile. It's good for us to laugh. It's good for us to just breathe easy sometimes, especially over the last few years. It just feels good to just laugh. But can I tell you, in being totally honest, the resurrection is no laughing matter. What he did for us, he would do again. What he did on the cross, 
he would do again. Not just for all of us, he would do it for one of us. Scripture says he died, one for all, so that all could receive the invitation. Your sin is no greater than my sin. My offense is no greater than your offense. All of us have been offended. All of us have offended others. All of us are in desperate need of being able to meet God, and we can't do it on our own. That's why Jesus bridged the gap. That's why we're Bridge Community Church, because Jesus is the one that bridges us to God by showing us what abundant life looks like, by giving his love so that we could experience love, so that we could stand before God each and every day if we want to, as we choose to know the one who created us and fill that God-shaped hole in our hearts that we have wondered so that though we go through pain, we go through struggles, we can live a confident life saying, the world around me and the, con- the, the circumstances around me, yes, I can be sorrowful, I can be discouraged. You know, life is very much like a set of train tracks where on the right side there might be joy and on the left side there's sorrow. And we kind of ride different rails at different times in our lives. As Christians, we ride those rails as well. Sometimes we're riding on the joy. Sometimes we're riding on the heavy part. But if you look far out in the distance and you look at that train track, you know what you see? They all come together. They both come together. They converge. They almost look like they converge. Because Jesus is the way. And on this side of eternity, he made a way for us to know God so that we could stand on a foundation that never fails. So I ask you this morning, first and foremost, anyone here, I ask I hope and pray that this service is not a box that you've checked. I hope that it's not just a periodic thing that you do or you attend. Maybe you came in your own volition and maybe you were dragged here this morning. I don't know. In the 50 years I've been around, I was dragged to church plenty of times, let me tell you. (laughs) But somehow... In those opportunities, God moved. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to come on your own volition, but don't be surprised if the Holy Spirit's knocking on your heart this morning. Because church is not about us. It's about God loving us. Christianity is not about man. It's about God pursuing man. He pursues you and he pursues me. So we remember his sacrifice on the cross this morning. We remember the death that he paid or the penalty that he paid through his death and we remember the fact that Jesus affirmed his choice and his work by raising him to life that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you know him this morning? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because I tell you, that's where it all begins. Real life, real love, it all begins. And the freedom that he has for you begins as you put your faith in him and choose to follow him. It is a journey, my friends. It is not an event. So I'm going to ask you this morning if you would take a few moments to just bow your head as the team leads us in this song. And you're welcome during this time to sit or to stand. You can do whatever you're comfortable with. We, we respect that. But I want you to just take a few moments with me and just invite Jesus to speak to you. You may be on board saying, I'm already there, Paul. Or you might be like, I don't, I don't even know what I think about all of this. And I challenge you 
to open your heart to God and invite him to say, if you're really speaking to me, show me. And I can promise you, if you're looking for God, you're going to find he was already looking for you. Father, we just come before you this morning and I just pray in Jesus' name that each person, Lord, that's here or that's watching would be reminded of the fact that you offer freedom, freedom to live and freedom to love by extending an invitation to knowing God. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for your love. I pray, God, as we remember this morning the sacrifice of your son, that our hearts would be open to experience new life, new love. In your name we pray. Amen.